much for those kind words, Brother Jalen. Um, and I, we feel a mutual feeling towards the Mocks. They're just wonderful people. And uh, yes, we did take some time out to talk to Brother Mock at that event. But I was hoping he would take me out for coffee. That's what I was hoping I would get out of that. No, just, just joking. But it was our honor and privilege to, to meet both of them. And as I said this morning, God's hand is on their life. And we know God's doing special things. And, and then the chosen youth group this week. My goodness, they have went after the Lord. Uh, you know, we live in a time where people are very concerned about our youth, as they should be. But in the Bible, it says that the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all. Everybody say all. All generations. In other words, as long as there is a generation... The Lord's truth will be in that generation, and they can overcome, and they can prevail. And we're seeing that right now in this youth group of this church. Amen. Well, let's turn to the word of the Lord tonight. We will be going to the New Testament in our reading, and we will be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As you're turning there tonight, I do once again give honor to brother and sister right your pastors wonderful christian people thank you so much for everything this week your hospitality the entire right family they're just wonderful wonderful leaders and we're blessed to know them and glad our paths cross and this morning it was great to be here and see a few people receive the infilling of the holy ghost as a result of years of prayers for some of them but god answered those prayers this morning it's just been wonderful to be with you here at antioch Amen. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we know that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. Everybody say Corinth. And this is what he has to say in verse 6. He said, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, everything that we really need to know and see about God can be found in the face of Jesus Christ. For in Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything that we need is in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. It's all in Him, as the songwriter said so many years ago. Verse 7, but now he really begins to apply this glorious thing that he talked about in the previous verse brings it down to where we live. Aren't you thankful that God takes the cookies sometimes and puts it on the bottom shelf so we can get to it? Amen. Maybe you're tall, you've never, you can't relate to that analogy, but I'm so thankful that God takes the things that are out of my reach and can bring them down to where I can grab hold of them. This is what he did, verse 7. He described it. He said, but we have this treasure. Everybody say treasure. In our earthen vessels. That earthen vessels is us. Our lives. He said God has put a treasure in your life. That the excellency of the power may be of God. And not of us. Verse 8. He says we're troubled on every side. Everybody say uh oh. We're troubled on every side. Yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed. We're not in despair. Verse 9, we're persecuted, but never forsaken. We're cast down sometimes. Yes, we are. But we will never be destroyed. just want to come tonight and bring a simple fact to you, a reminder that no matter what may be going on in the world, no matter what kind of pressures you have in your life, no matter the opposition, 
the Holy Ghost is up to the challenge. The treasure is able to help you overcome whatever you are faced with tonight. I want to preach for just a few moments about how the contents determine the outcome. The contents of the earthen vessel really do determine the outcome of the earthen vessel. One more time, can we lift our hands and our hearts to the Lord? I feel His Spirit and His power here tonight. Lord Jesus, we love You and we give You honor. We've entered Your gates with thanksgiving and into Your courts with praise. Lord, there's nobody like You. There's no one beside You. You are one and You're on the throne tonight. And So God, we acknowledge that and recognize that, God. We understand, Lord, that we cannot do anything in our carnality or anything in our flesh to make an eternal difference here tonight. But if you'll come down and you will be in the middle of what we do in the next few moments, Lord, I believe, God, that someone will be encouraged, someone will be strengthened, someone will be changed, God, and someone will have a redefining moment here at Antioch. And somebody said, in the name of Jesus. Come on, say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Clap your hands one more time. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. And then it says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The contents really do determine the outcome. You know, it is a fact of life that as human beings, we like to go shopping, don't we? There was a sister back there that said, yes, (laughs) I heard you. We like to consume goods, don't we? We like to go to Mission Barbecue every now and then. Amen. We like to get on the Amazon app and do a little shopping. Some of you might be doing that right now. You're like, oh, I forgot. I got to get hairspray. You're on Hopefully that's not you. We like to consume. We like to shop. We like to purchase goods. Usually when it comes time to purchase a, a product of significance or that you're putting a, a worthy investment in, we like to know what kind of guarantee comes with that product, don't we? We like guarantees because we live in a world of uncertainty. That's very unsure. And we're not always knowing the outcome of things. So we like guarantees. They help us. And that's why automobile manufacturers will now offer 100,000 mile warranties on their vehicles. Because they know that you may not know about the reliability, but you like the car. But man, if you can get a guarantee, you'll buy the car. Somebody say amen. Somebody told me the other day they're now offering 150,000 mile warranties on vehicles. Maybe that will help them sell more. I don't know. And then there's the men's hair growth products. What are you guys laughing about? For the Joshua. Praise God. That's why men's hair growth products. Help us, Holy Ghost. The older I get, I start getting these ads on Instagram about growing your, your hair. I don't know why they're sending that to me, but um, maybe I'll need it in a few years. I hope not. But men's hair growth products, they will offer a 100% money-back guarantee if their product does not help your hair loss. 
And then that's why reportedly Michael Jordan, somebody say praise God. We talked about him on Saturday, didn't we, chosen youth guys? We had a debate about who is the GOAT. But anyway, Michael Jordan, they tell me, would wear underneath his NBA uniform the basketball uniform from his college days because it brought to him some sense of luck and a guaranteed outcome. Because we like to know how things are going to turn out. We like to be in charge of the narrative. We like to be in charge of the situation. And it's when we're not in control. And it's when we don't know how things are going to turn out that we can become troubled and we can often feel like we are being overwhelmed by life. Am I preaching to anybody here tonight that you've ever felt like you were overwhelmed by life? Can we be honest here tonight? I'm talking to teenagers and young adults and adults alike. But since uh, the, the last few years, I think we can all testify to the fact that fear and anxiety can become a very unwelcome house guest in our lives. And it can come in our home. I didn't say it gets to stay there. But it can... You ever, you, ever have a, you ever have a house guest that comes over uninvited and unannounced? Some of you are just trying to be Christian. You're like, well, praise God. I've had that happen before. They, they, they kind of come over and, and you're trying to be courteous. And they're over there, but... Uh, you understand that even though they came over unannounced and uninvited, there is going to come a point in the evening where you start dropping hints. Anybody been there? Well, look at the time. I, I've got to get the kids ready for school tomorrow. And if that doesn't work, then you say, well, look at the time. Um, you know, I've got to get up and go to work in the morning. And if they don't bite that bait, then you just say, you know, look at the time. I've got to go outside and check the air pressure on my car. We'll see you later. But... You're trying to get them out of the door because while they were maybe welcome at some point, now they're no longer welcome and you got to get them out the door. And I've come to tell somebody tonight that you might be living alongside some things that you never invited into your house and you maybe never invited into your mind and you never, never invited into your emotions. But just because it's there does not mean that you have to live the rest of your life with that unwelcome house guest in your life. But there comes a time where you have to say, it's time for you to leave. It's time for you to get out. You may be a, you may be a visitor, but that's all you're ever going to be. Fear, you're not going to rule me. And anxiety, you're not going to master me. Because there's something on the inside of me. That's greater than you. Somebody ought to point your finger at the devil right now and say, I got something for you, devil. I cannot overcome you. I cannot kick you out. But I got the power of the Holy Ghost that can drive you out right now. Somebody ought to just praise the Lord right now and thank God that we've got power to kick out the devil. We've got power over over sickness, over the enemy, over the ploys of the devil. I just want to remind somebody here tonight that the Bible still says that no weapon that is formed. He did not say that there would not be a weapon formed. He said the weapon will be formed. Yeah. 
The weapon will be crafted by the enemy. Oh, he knows you better than you know yourself sometimes. He creates the weapon that will work in your life. Can I get a witness in the house? It doesn't matter how young you are. Maybe how seasoned in life you are. That the devil knows what weapon to use against you. Oh, if he can't get you in your young years of temptation and and zeal and youthfulness, he's going to wait and get us sometimes when we're in season ages of life and try to tell us that, you know, we're, we're not worth much anymore to the kingdom maybe. Or maybe he comes to you and says, well, maybe you should just become focused on what you can't do anymore. Or maybe become focused on, on what you don't have. He, he forms a weapon because he's trying to overcome you. The Bible didn't say that the weapon would not be formed. But it says no weapon. No matter what the weapon is. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. That's the word of God. And though the enemy may be coming at you right now with a weapon that seems to be working. I need somebody to say, you know what? The Bible still says that that weapon may be hacking on me. It may be working on me, but no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Why? Because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Somebody ought to look at the devil and say, it's a weapon, but it ain't going to work, honey. It's a weapon. You've used it enough, but it ain't going to overcome me. I've got the power of God. I've got the power of the universe creator inside of me tonight. And no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Oh, come on. If you believe that tonight, why don't you put your hands together and say, I believe the word of the Lord. That I have a surety that what's on the inside of me is going to overcome what's on the outside of me. I think we ought to just a moment and just thank God that I have an assured outcome. That I have a guarantee that I do know how it's going to turn out. It's going to turn out victorious. Come on, somebody, you ought to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You ought to begin to shake off some chains, shake off some shackles, begin to worship God right now. Come on, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know how he's going to do it, rather, but I know it's going to turn out for my good. For all things work together for the good to those who are called according to his Purpose. You ought to take a minute and stomp on the devil's head right now. I'm telling you right now, there's victory in this house. I'm telling you right now, there's the glory of God in this house. Doesn't always look good, but God's going to work it for your good. You hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight. It may not look good right now, but God's going to work it out for your good. 
Now, growing up, I had a granny. That's what we call them down in the south. Everybody say granny. I had a granny who I'd go over to her house and she'd be in the kitchen. My granny had these stainless steel countertops. I'll never forget it, Brother Wright. It's the weirdest thing now looking back. But she had like these stainless steel countertops. And, and I'd go in there and she'd have raw chicken laid on out on the counter. She'd have milk and eggs and butter and starch and stuff that I didn't even know was in existence until I walked in that kitchen. I'd walk in there and it's, it's a mess. Anybody know what I'm talking about? She, she's got stuff strewn all over the countertop. I'd walk in there and just, oh, the stench would hit you. And it's just disgust, disgusting. What, Granny, what are you doing? My goodness. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You've made a mess. I'd never say that to my grandmother. That's why I'm here today, because I didn't say that. Oh, man. Granny, what, what, what's all this? My goodness. Honey and and you got sugar and, and the raw chicken, my word, that chicken died in vain. Look at him. He's he's so thin. He's oh great. And I just have to get out of the kitchen because I could not stand all the ingredients. But you see, Granny was working on something. Granny was putting together something. Granny had an old recipe book open on the counter and she was following line by line. As a matter of fact, most of those recipes were right here. I couldn't understand what she was doing, but Granny knew what she was doing. A couple hours later, when the dinner bell was rang and I could smell the fried chicken floating through the house, guess who was the first person at the dinner table? Why? Because Granny had taken all the things that I said were not good and she worked them together for the good. And I began to enjoy something that I never... I never thought I could enjoy it. But when she got done putting it all, my goodness, I'm telling somebody right now that God is putting it together. And if you wait on God, if you wait on God, He's going to turn it for your good. I said He's going to turn it for your good. I said He's going to turn it for your good. So, honey, you got to learn how to dance in the kitchen when it doesn't look good, when it doesn't smell good, when it doesn't feel good. You still got to worship because he's working all things together. Somebody say he's working it. He's working it together for, for my good. Don't ever question that. Don't ever question that. He's got good things for you. Some of you are asking God, Lord, if this is going to be good for me, why does it hurt so much? It's all right. Well, God, if this is going to be good for me, why does it hurt so much? There's some things you don't have the answers to. You just have to trust God. It did not say that we walk by feelings. It said that we walk by faith. Because if you walk by feelings, you are going to lose out with God. Is that all right? That's a little strong. But if you walk by how it feels, you're going to lose out with God. Because there's going to come a time where you can't feel God. And there's going to come a time where you can't go by feelings. There's going to come a time where you come in the house of God. And you don't feel a chill bump. And you don't feel a thing. But you've got to be like Job that though he slay me. Yet. Yet. Will I trust him? 
What does trust look like? Come on, God's not afraid to earn your trust, child of God. He's not afraid to earn your trust tonight. He wants to show you what He can do. He wants to reveal Himself in a new way to you. We walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. The Bible says that there's a story about Isaac. We talked about Jacob on Friday night. Jacob and Esau. But the Bible says that there was a time where Isaac, their dad, became old. Let's say seasoned. Is that better? Became old. We'll just call him old. Come on, bro. Help me out. The Bible says that he became old and could not see very well. You helped me this morning, didn't you? Man, I'm telling you, he's a good sport. You want to preach? I guess I got to finish, huh? I'm going to sit down for a minute. You got some water, bro. Look at this. It's awesome. The Bible says there came a time. Got to focus. The Bible says there came a time when, when Isaac, he was old and he couldn't see very well. You're doing good, bro. He can't see very well. Very good. And there was Jacob and Esau, two brothers. And the Bible says that Esau had the, the blessing of the firstborn. He had the, the right to assume the authority of the family once Isaac passed off the scene. It was his. Everybody say it was his. The Bible says that Esau was a hairy man. He was a man of the field. He was rugged. He was like a rug. That's weird. Okay. It's a youth service. I'm going to keep moving. All right. But it's just weird. He's a hairy guy, you know. So, but Jacob, the Bible says that Jacob saw what his brother had. And he said, you know, I think I can steal that. I think I can take that. And so help me out. You want to be Jacob? What's up, bro? What's your name? John. John. What's, oh, that's close to Jacob. John, Jacob, Jingle Hacker. Okay, here we go. All right. So, John, you're Jacob. And so Jacob decides. He says, I think I can steal that from my dad. Now, when you think about it, Isaac. He, he understood the order. and He understood who he was to bless and who he, he was not to bless. But how could he get the two confused? Well, you see, he couldn't see very well. And if you'd study it, the Bible says that Isaac in his old age began to really rely more on his senses than his prayer life. My goodness, we're talking about the man, the young man. As a young man, he began to pray, God, send me a wife. And God sent him a wife. He could pray for God to send him provision. He asked God for things and God would answer. But when he got old, instead of walking by faith, he began to walk by scheming and by planning and by the senses and by the sight and smell around him. How could he make a blunder like he we're about to talk about? I'll tell you, because he went by feelings. He did not go by faith. He could no longer see in the spirit. And that's what the devil wants to do to you is to blind you to some things in the spirit. But if you can get in tune with God and say, God, don't let me be deceived. God, let the scales be removed from my eyes. Let me see things how they really are. That thing that you think is out to destroy you is really going to be the thing that ends up blessing you. I've come to tell you that the thing that you thought would take you out of the church, God is going to give you victory over it and you're going to stay in the church. I'm talking to you young people. God's going to keep you in the church. If you'll just say, Lord, I'm going to walk by faith. And so, and so Isaac's sitting there and Jacob, he's scheming and he, he begins, the Bible says he puts on his arms the, the, the coat of animals. And maybe it was a sheep, I think it was. But he puts on his arms and he wears a coat that feels really hairy, kind of like Esau. What's up, Esau? And he feels kind of hairy now. 
he's, he's kind of like the rug now, you know, and Isaac's sitting here. And the Bible says that Jacob comes in. Do you mind kneeling down? Is it all right? He kneels down and he says, I want you to bless me, Dad. And Isaac, remember, he's out of, my goodness, he's out of tune with the Holy Ghost. My goodness, I'm going to tell you something right now. There is a spirit that is moving in this world right now that wants to get us out of tune with God and what God is doing. Think about Eli. Eli, a man who could anoint prophets and anoint kings. He could do that. The Bible says that he got to the place where he could no longer recognize a move of the Holy Ghost when Hannah was in the spirit praying some things into existence. That was what will happen if you go by feeling. Isaac sitting here. Someone comes in the room. He assumes that it's Esau because who else would come into the room asking for the blessing of the firstborn? And the Bible says that he comes in. Jacob comes, I'm sorry, Esau comes in. And he begins to sit here and he thinks and he says out loud, he says, the voice is the voice of Jacob. I want you to reach out and touch his shoulder right now, Isaac. He says, but the feeling is the feeling of Esau. He said, the voice is telling me one thing. He said, the voice sounds like Jacob, the thing that I'm not so supposed to bless the message that I'm hearing is telling me that I should not call it blessed he said but I'm going to go by my feelings and it feels like the thing that I should bless and because he went by feelings he blessed what he should have never blessed did I make that plain enough right now that young people if you go by feelings and you go by senses and you go by how it makes you feel good you're going to bless the wrong thing in your world but if you will walk by faith and say God I believe that you are up to something God I believe that you're working something on the inside of this vessel you're going to live a blessed life you're going to live an anointed life God's going to use you. God's going to multiply your ministry. But I'm telling somebody right now, you need to take off the senses and say, I'm going by the word of God and what God has said. That is what I'm going to glue myself to tonight. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Be careful. Be careful. Because the thing that you detest is the very thing that God will use to define your ministry and your walk with God. Be careful. Be careful. you got to just endure it. Oh, I know Goliath is not comfortable. I know that everybody's running from Goliath. But David, God has put Goliath in your path for a reason. The Bible says that when everybody else was running from Goliath, David understood his purpose. David understood his calling. And while everybody else was running from the giant, there's a beautiful verse, Brother Wright, in Scripture that says that David ran toward that giant because he realized, I cannot do this by sword. I cannot do this by spear. I cannot do this by might or power. But I can do this by the Spirit of Almighty God. And that's how we overcome. Because the contents really do determine the outcome. Here's what I want to preach to you tonight. That the recent events of our world and all of the constant crazy news that we're hearing about. I'm not even going to list some of the things, but wow. Who, who thought we would have been here, Brother Jalen, Brother Isaac? My goodness. Who would have thought just five years ago, if, if you would have sat down and told me, this is going to happen, this is going to no, I wouldn't have believed it either, bro. I'd be like, wow. Do you know this generation that I'm talking to right now, you, Generation Z, you were actually supposed to be the most spoiled generation to ever live? 
How's that working out for you? Oh, that was before 2020 and all of these things started happening. Now you're described as the hoping and coping generation that you're hoping that things will turn out and you're just coping with how things are going. But hear me when I say that if you're experiencing the negatives and subtractions of life, that God is getting ready to do something phenomenal in your life. If you're going through trials, struggles, and you're facing thorns in the flesh, then that means that God is about to reveal a greater and more powerful glory in your world. Somebody say amen to that. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that he had a thorn in the flesh. He says, I have a thorn in the flesh. Now, some scholars believe that this thorn in the flesh was an ailment in Paul's eyes that impaired his vision. There are other scholars who say, no, it was this or that. But whatever, whatever the, the opinion is, we do know that Paul had a problem in his physical body that he, could just, he couldn't shake. And this is really ironic to me, young people and everyone here tonight, that, that we have Paul, a man who could lay hands on the sick and see them recover, has a condition that he just cannot seem to shake out of his life and get healing for. Oh, Paul, the man who was called up into the heavens. Paul, the man who was resurrected from the dead and could pray for others to be resurrected from the dead. He couldn't find a healing, even though he says in Scripture that I sought the Lord for three times. And finally, the Lord gave me an answer to it. When we look at this portion of scripture sometimes and we wonder what is going on. That if God, oh there's a big theological pool we could dive off in tonight. If God is so good, why do bad things happen? Oh we could just spend a long time about the theology of suffering and all. But we're not going to do that right now. But we're going to look at life for Paul and say what is going on here? Why why does Paul have to go through these things? Uh, Why do I as an apostolic uh, born again believer have to go through these things? All I can tell you is that sometimes God allows the thorn to come into your life because he's up to something. God is working out something in your spirit and in your life. I didn't say he put it there necessarily, but he'll allow it to come into your life. Why? Because you've got to have the necessary negative. Oh, it's necessary. Somebody say it's necessary. Oh, I know. It's it's not something we want to hear, but it's necessary. I said it's necessary. You've got to have the thorn in the flesh, Paul, if you're really going to be used by God. Oh my goodness, God. God wants to use you, Paul, but you've got to lean into that thorn. You've got to lean into that wound. You've got to lean into that hurt like we heard about on Friday night. Because it's the negatives. And it's the subtractions that God will use us, use rather, to drive us to seek more power. In our life and more glory revealed in our life. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pains. Because if life was only positive without struggles, we would not be compelled to look for the greater grace and glory of God. But I've got good news for somebody tonight that if you're enduring a thorn, if you're enduring a negative, if subtractions have already started taking forth in your life, I've come to let you know that God is up to something. That God is about to reveal a greater power and a somebody get a hold of that right now. A greater glory in your life and ministry. Oh, Nikola Tesla, he, he taught us a few things, didn't he? He taught us a few things. He came on the scene in the 1800s. How many of you know about the Tesla cars? All right, you ready? How many of you own a Tesla? Like This guy's like, I might. I don't know. Maybe it's Toyota. I don't know. <laughs> we'll circle back, bro. Tesla. That's a cool, cool car, but 
the car company named themselves after Nikola Tesla, an inventor, a scientist in the 1800s. You see, Thomas Alva Edison had come along and he had, he had said that if we want to harness electricity and harness the power and get, get lights like we're seeing right here, he said there's only one way to do it. And he brought forth a technology called direct current power. Anybody ever heard of this? Or DC power, direct current power. But see, the problem with Alva Edison's formula and his makeup is that all it could do is sustain the lights for just a few hours. After a few hours, Brother Wright, the lights would start dimming. And they would just have to go and try to work it out and get the power going again. So you'd have really short church services, right? Like, oh, sorry, guys, the, the lights are out. Let's go. The lights cut off here in a minute. Let's just go. Let's go to Mission Barbecue, okay? But Alva Edison's model could only sustain and harness the power for so long and it would have died. But Tesla came along and he said, I see your problem. And he got out the chalkboard. He said, let's, let's rewrite this thing. And history tells us that Nikola Tesla began to work on the formula. Because see, Thomas Alva Edison, in his direct current formula, all he had was positive signs. Pluses. Pluses. But Tesla looked at it and he said, if you really want to have something powerful, he said, you've got to add another sign in there. He said, you've got to add the negative symbol. And so he began to work out the formula. And everybody's like, that doesn't make sense. If you want power, just add positive, positive, positive. He said, no, if you want sustained power, you've got to begin to alternate the positives with negative. And that's where we get AC power from. Do you see where we're going here tonight? That if you think living for God is always going to be positive and you think it's always going to be a high mountaintop experience. Honey, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but that's not in the Word of God. But if you are going to live for God, you, like Paul, are going to go through the necessary negatives and the subtractions of life. It's just a part of the equation. It's just a part of what God does. My goodness, you, you feel like you're doing good. God, everything's going good. Positive, positive. And God comes along and He swipes that positive. And He says, I think I'm going to subtract right here. Oh, it hurts, doesn't it? Oh, come on, somebody. It hurts when God begins to let negatives and subtractions come into your formula and your equation. Oh, oh, and then he comes along and he says, no. He says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to remove that positive. Oh, God, what are you doing? God, why are you removing those things? Why are you allowing those things to happen? And God, oftentimes, Brother Wright, if we could see a physical face, we would see tears streaming down his face because sometimes he allows hurt and pain to come in our world because he understands it's necessary if my glory is going to be revealed I'm talking to somebody right now. You've been praying and you've been you've been bending down at your altar and you've been asking God, God use me. God save my family. God deepen my anointing. God deepen my ministry. And God says, "All right." And he begins to work in your life and introduce subtractions. And then you say, "God, what's going on?" And sometimes God probably wants to look back at me and says, "You asked for me to use you." You said you would go anywhere. You said you would do anything. You said you would say anything, Michael. This is part of it. God, 
I just wanted you to use me. He says, yes, this is part of it, my friend. This is part of it. I didn't say you always love it. I didn't say you always like it. But you've got to understand something. That if God has brought subtractions in your life. And if God has allowed negatives to come into your world. That God is getting ready to move you to the end of the equation. Where there is a greater good. And there is a positive outcome. And there is a more glorious outcome than you've ever seen. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. I'm preaching to somebody. You've been watching God change the equation for long enough. But some of you, you're almost at the end of that season. You're almost at the outcome. You're almost at the place where there's going to be sustainable power that just continues in your life. But you've got to wait until God finishes. Somebody lift your hands in the house tonight. We're in the Holy Ghost right here as a congregation. Come on, you got to stick with God. Young person, you got to stay with God. you got to get like Job and say, though he subtract from me, yet will I trust him. Come on, for about 30 seconds, you and God just have a conversation. Come on, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. I don't always like where he takes me, but I'm going to walk with God. Because I believe he's up to something. I believe he's got a formula going, Brother Wright. Come on, he's getting rid of of the, the weak power. He's getting ready to release a greater power. A sustainable power that continues. He continues. You gotta trust his hand. You gotta trust his hand. You gotta trust his hand. He's up to something. I said he's up to something. He's working it out. He's working it out. He's working it out. Paul, did you ever get that healing? No. Come on, we'll move on when God says to move on, but right now let's tarry for just a moment. God's ministry. Somebody obey the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus. 
That's it for just a few more moments. Come on, he's working. He's working. When you can't see it, he's working. Jesus. Jesus. I'm telling somebody that you're almost at the end of the equation. That you have endured the season. You've endured the night. And God is about to bring a glorious outcome. He's working on it. I said he's working on it. He's doing it. So come on, we'll move when God says to move. But right now, somebody ought to just open up yourself and say, God, not my will, but your will. Come on, it may not be the answer that you wanted, but it's going to be the answer that he's been working out. Come on, it's going to be part of his formula. It's going to be part of his equation. And when he writes the equal sign in your life and says, here's the product, here's the power, here's the glory, you're going to understand it better by and by. But you got to stay in the process. Oh, come on let the Lord minister to you in your wilderness right now come on the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness yea the wilderness of Kadesh come on the Lord can shake any wilderness right now by his voice you may have to be in there for a little bit longer but joy is coming my goodness joy is coming Joy is coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Come on, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I'm telling somebody right now in the Holy Ghost that God will give you everything you need every morning. His mercy is made new every morning. Joy, I did not say that he would erase the sorrow and the grief. I said that joy and mercy will greet you in the morning and embrace you. And God will give you grace that's sufficient for that day. Not for next year, not for the outcome yet, but for the day. Somebody just say, God, I believe you're going to give me what I need for every single day. Until I get to the end of what you're working on. Ah, yeah.
Come on, that's it, somebody. This is altar call. We're there. Just go ahead and make it an altar right now. Come on, I die out. <laughs> I die out. In the name of Jesus. Come on, he's working it. He's working it. He's working it. Come on, there's weeping that will endure. He said it would endure. It would be there for a while. There's something about to turn in the name of Jesus. That's it, just endure right now. There's something coming, but endure right now. Some of you have been trying to nod it off and say it's not there. No, it's there. You need to acknowledge it and say it's there and I don't like it. And I haven't liked it for a while, God. But I'm acknowledging that you're going to use it for your glory. That you're going to use it somehow. Ah, you got to stop and acknowledge it. Come on, Paul, it is a thorn. It is there. Come on, young person, it did happen. It is there. But you got to believe that God is going to turn it in just a few moments. But before He does, you got to acknowledge the prick. you got to acknowledge the pain that it's caused. Come on, Paul said, I sought the Lord three times for an answer. Come on, I sought the Lord three times. Come on, somebody's seeking the Lord right now. God's about to give you your answer. My goodness, God is about to give His answer in this house right now. Come on, the voice of the Lord is about to thunder in this room. Come on, keep seeking the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord right now. My grace is sufficient. You navigate us through this, Lord. You navigate us through this, God. Come on, it's necessary negatives. It's necessary subtractions. Ah, the joy is coming. Joy is coming. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy is coming. Joy is coming. 
I'm preaching to the young people. You've been undergoing trials and tests and temptations and subtractions. There's something about to break in this house. Anybody believe that right now? There's something to be broken in this room right now. Yes, yes, yes. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. As we continue to flow in the spirit right now. As we continue to flow in this atmosphere right now. Come on, I feel to tell you something tonight. Come on, if you're praying and seeking the face of the Lord, continue doing so. But I'm just going to go by what I feel right now. I'm going to go by what I feel the Lord tell me. I don't always tell this, but I feel to tell this in this room right now. A few years ago, my wife and I went through some subtractions. We went through some negatives. And I'd love to tell you that I shouted all the way through it. I did do some shouting and worshiping and praising. But I... But there were some long, lonely nights. Sorry if I just get real and transparent with everybody. During that season, I remember feeling like every devil in hell had come at me. I remember walking out of the parsonage door one morning, Brother Jalen, locking the door during this season and turning. And as I began to walk over to the church, it was just a few, just a half a block away. There was a man who was standing on the street corner. I had never seen him before in my life, but he began to point his finger at me and rail on me. And immediately I felt that there was a demonic spirit at work in him. I felt an attack. I said, God, why are you letting these things happen? I just kept going along. Went to church, worshiped, did all I knew to do. I hope what I'm about to tell is okay, and if it's not, Pastor can correct this here in just a moment. But I remember going through long, lonely nights. And I remember being awakened at night. And I understand there are children in the room. But I remember being awakened in the middle of night and sitting up in my bed. 
and seeing spirits of torment come through our bedroom window and come in there and begin to torment my wife and I during this season. And the whole time I'm asking God, why? Why this thorn? Why is this going on? Why are we enduring this? I kept going through it. I kept worshiping. I kept going by faith and not by feelings. Because I'm telling you, I did not feel a thing. There were some times where I did not feel anything. But I kept going to church as a young person. And I kept asking pastor, lay hands on me and pray for me and help me. And we had people praying for us. But I'll never forget the night that God gave me a vivid dream. And God showed me. That spirit of torment that had been coming against my wife and I. And in that dream the Lord revealed to me. That it was no longer a strong robust spirit. That would torment us and rob sleep from us. But the Lord showed me a very old lady. Who no longer had any teeth. And just bear with me. And the Lord showed me that she no longer had any teeth. And that she began to try to bite my arm. But she had no more power over me. And she began to gum my arm. And it was so comical and laughable. I looked at her and I said, Lord, what is this about? And God told me. He said, I have broken the teeth of the tormentor. And it has no more power in your life. It has, my goodness, it served its purpose. I've brought you through that trial. And Michael, I'm a... I feel the power of God and Michael I brought you to the place where I want to reveal more glory and more power somebody's staying in this house right now and then from that moment on boom it turned it was never the same again It was never the same again. Suddenly there was an authority that began to emerge out of that wilderness. We're no different than Jesus. The Bible says that he went into a wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And the devil came against him. Not at the beginning of the wilderness. Not necessarily in the middle of the wilderness. But read your Bible. When he was about to step out. When he was about to step out of that wilderness, Brother Wright. That's when the devil came to him and said, If you really be something, and you really are God, turn the stones to bread. If you really are who you say you are, why don't you leap from the temple and cause the angels? No, why? Why? Because the devil realized that he was about to emerge and cross over and out of a wilderness. And there was, no, goodness, there was nothing that the devil could do about it. I've come to tell some young person under the sound of my voice and an adult that you are about to emerge out of that wilderness. And that's why the devil has come at you with every single thing that he has. With every weapon. With every temptation. with every Why? Because he knows.
I know this tape has been down here for a long time in this church, but I feel like somebody ought to come down here and just go ahead and step over because God is about to bring somebody right out of your wilderness. God's about to do something. Come on. Maybe you can't get across that tape, but you ought to step out of your pew right now and say, I'm stepping out of this wilderness. I've been here long enough. I've been through the negative. I've been through the subtraction. I've been through the trial long enough. I'm about to emerge Come on, that's it. I'm about to emerge out of this wilderness. Come on, that's it. I'm crossing over right now. Come on, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Come on over to the willing side. Come on, Paul, you've been in that place long enough. Come on, you've been going through the subtractions. You've been going through the negatives. But God's about to reveal a power. My goodness. Come on, that's it. Come on, maybe you can't step across that line physically. But go ahead and do it in your mind and your spirit right now. Come on, you're almost out. Come on, you're almost out. Come on, that that season is in its death throes. It's almost over. It's almost over. Almost over. Come on, I come against every lie of the devil right now. Come on, you're about to merge out of that wilderness with authority. My goodness, Brother Wright, it's here. It's here, Pastor. It's here. Go ahead and step over. Go ahead and step over. Come on, step over into glory. Step over to your ministry. Come on, that's it. Come on, Antioch. Come on, saint of God. You're almost out of there. You're almost out of there.
Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Let the Lord work. He's doing something in this house right now. Come on, I'm going to declare something over you right now. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord over you right now. Come on, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Mark 7 and 28 and verse 29 says that after Jesus withstood the devil. This is why he could say, the evil one has come and he has found nothing in me. He has nothing that he took from me. I took from him. Some of you have taken from the enemy what he thought he took from you. Some of you have went to the enemy's camp. You didn't even know you were in the enemy's camp. But you have begun to spoil the enemy as you have left Egypt tonight. I speak that under the Holy Ghost right now. You have spoiled the Egyptians. You have spoiled the enemy. You have foiled his plan. It did not work. I said you have taken some things from the devil in this city. You didn't even know it when you crossed over that line a moment ago. But you have took some things out of the devil's hands. And he's no longer going to go plague your family or your generations after you. You've taken it from him. Oh, somebody ought to say thank God for that. Somebody ought to rejoice in that. Mark 7, 28, verse 29 says that when Jesus walked out of that wilderness and he went to the temple and the Bible said that he opened the scrolls and it says that he spake as one having authority because the devil had plagued him long enough but now he was out of the wilderness. I've come to tell somebody right now that you've got authority now. You've got authority. The Bible says that the scribes begin to look around in the Pharisees and says, there's something different about him now. I'll tell you what's different. He's emerged out of the transition of the wilderness. And now he speaks as one who has authority. You may not even know the authority is there, but I promise you, if you'll lift your hands right now and begin to speak out, there's going to be an authority that emanates in this atmosphere and emanates into this city and emanates into your family. There's an authority on you right now. Come on, speak as one with authority. Speak to that sickness as one with authority. Speak to that sin as one with authority. One with authority. Come on, that's it. Speak. Speak. Jesus said, speak to that mountain. Somebody speak to that mountain right now. Call it out. Call it out. Call it out. Speak to it. Come on, you've endured the night. You've endured the wilderness. You've got authority. 
Come on, speak to your high school. Speak to your middle school right now. Speak to those spirits. of Jesus in the name of Jesus Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. And then we're just going to rejoice in God, okay? Here's the thing about God. Is God has a pattern, Brother Wright. He has a pattern in Scripture. We've been talking about the subtractions and negatives and the reductions. But God has a pattern in Scripture where any time... He subtracts. And he's been subtracting and subtracting. He's got a pattern that when he's done subtracting, he moves into something else. Takes off that subtraction hat. Puts on a different hat. You would think that after God subtracts for a while from you in the wilderness, that now he's going to add to you. Nope. Doesn't do that. He moves into another dimension. My goodness, into a miraculous dimension. Where he says, I've been subtracting. You thought I was going to move into the dimension of just addition. Nope. God's moving even beyond that tonight. God's moving into the dimension of multiplication. Anytime God... Subtracts. He does that before he multiplies in Scripture. <laughs> Ask Job. Ask Job. Subtraction. 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 Ask the young boy with two fish and five loaves. Subtraction. But what followed was not addition. What followed was miraculous multiplication. I feel I'm in the Holy Ghost right now when I say this. You have shifted. This youth group has shifted. This church has shifted into a realm where God's about to reveal himself as the great multiplier. He's able. I said he's able. You thought he was going to add it, Job? Go home and read your Bible. No, he added double what he took from Job. 
You thought he was going to replace the two fish and five loaves that he removed out of your hands, Nathaniel. No, go read your Bible. He used a miraculous multiplication that fed multitudes. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. Did he answer your prayer? Not necessarily. Did he give you what you asked him for? Kind of. Did he meet what you thought he would? Did he do it how you thought he would do, Paul? You got that thorn in your... Did he do it how you thought he would do? Because you got that thorn in your flesh and you've been going through subtractions. Well, not, not really. Well, Paul, what did he do? He answered me. He answered me. In verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient. Somebody ought to say, It's sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in your subtractions. In your weakness. So Paul said, I've moved out of that dimension of subtractions. And I'm over here in the dimension of multiplication. Well, Paul, what are you going to do now? He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what that word means? When he said, I will glory in my infirmities, that means I am going to boast. And I'm going to brag about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to brag about, yeah, I went through it, but now I'm coming out of it. And there's a multiplication. There's a greater power. There's a greater glory. There's a greater season that I have just walked in. Why? Because the contents have determined the outcome. So here's how I feel we ought to end this service. We ought to just go ahead and rejoice in what God has done in our world tonight. We ought to go ahead and rejoice about the multiplication that we're about to see. We ought to go ahead and thank Him for the answer that we're about to get. Oh, come on somebody. Weeping endured for a night. But I feel like joy. Somebody ought to go ahead and get loose in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Come on, that's it. That's it. The contents determine the outcome. Come on, let's sing right now. Come on, I wonder if we could put our hands together right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to praise Him right now in the house of the Lord. Come on, that's it. Let's put our hands together right now. Come on, Israel. Let the redeem of the Lord say so. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys ready? I can't sing worth a flip, so I got to have you to sing.
All right. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your life. 